Welcome to Stop Telling and Start Listening with David Cook. If you're frustrated with the way we are speaking or not speaking to each other, if you find yourself easily at odds in your conversations with people, this may be just the show for you. Listen in as David and his guests will help you elevate your communication skills and navigate the tensions present in many conversations today. Now, here is David Cook. Hey, this is Dave Cook with another episode of Stop Telling and Start Listening. And um, I have a uh, repeat guest on today. A couple of weeks ago, Sharon, Ray, and I were talking about uh, uh, listening and citizenship. And I loved our conversation. If you haven't listened to it, I'd love to have you go back and listen to that after you listen to this one. Of course, I don't want you to stop listening here and get all lost. But we had such a good conversation about um government and politics and listening and citizenship and you know it's it's always nice to be in alignment with my guests and i enjoy that you know i would love to have a controversial guest but uh, sharon is not controversial unless you think both sharon and i are controversial we are characters we do cause trouble we do think deeply but at the same time we love to listen and we love to love others without judgment which is what uh sharon's uh consulting practice was for about 12 years is no judgment, just love, which is a beautiful thing. I love it. It's basically the essence of it is meeting people where they are for who they are and loving them for who they are, where they are. And um, I cannot emphasize the value of that um, enough because I think that that uh, really is, in fact, I'm probably going to get a tattoo one of these days called just love um, but anyway, Sharon, thank you for joining me again today. I'm looking for a spirited discussion. Thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me again, Dave. This is uh, interesting, and I'm really honored to be in conversation with you again. Oh, cool. Good. We're the little bit different format this time is usually when I bring in a guest. Um, that's exactly what it is. They're the subject matter experts. We banter some things around, but I'm looking for them to provide me um, some deep feedback and perspective on things that they're passionate about. The nice thing about this is in many respects, while Sharon is a guest, she is a co-host. And I'm the one with the agenda. I'm the one with a message. And I, um, Sharon gets to, if she wants, she can flip it on me. She can interview me. She can um, admonish me gently with love like she did last time. But we're going to talk a little bit about listening and intellectualism. And I, I'm going to I'm going to use this uh, intro um, to set the table for why this is uh, in it so for me is an interesting topic. Um, we all have people um, in our in our world that love to pontificate. They love to tell you what they know, why they know it, why you should be impressed or excited about their brilliance. Why should you need to hang on their every word and just absorb what they have to say? The problem is, is that's telling there's very little listening in it. Even when they engage in listening, it feels like they're setting me up for something that they else that they want to tell me. And um, I had a conversation. In fact, I, I was a little nervous about this. This, this conversation hadn't happened in April. I was have been really uh, hesitant, reluctant to have it because I have tremendous respect for this individual that I'm going to kind of pick on a little bit today, or I'm at least, at least using him for my role model for this topic. Um, but I don't want to offend him. I have tremendous respect for him. We have had great discussions, but there was in the context of this podcast and 
the message about listening, there was there were tones in the conversation that I thought, you know, this is creating some fresh imprints on my brain and on my heart, and I need to share it as a lesson for all of us. So, uh, dear friend, if you end up listening to this podcast, I am not calling you out. I am just using you as a as a in love as a model for some behaviors that. I even kidded you about in the conversation. So please, hoping I'm not offending anybody. But um, in the in this in, in this conversation, the we were talking about the podcast and what's the podcast about. Well, the podcast is about listening and how you can engage in conversations with other people, even in situations where, like in religion and politics, or certain things that you guys might we might not be in agreement. And he set the tone for the conversation right out of the gate. He says, well, I've found that religious and political conversations are generally illogical by nature. And why do you say that? He said, well, because most people aren't capable of carrying on conversations of that level. That's how we started. <laughs> if you could see Sharon's face, this is beautiful. Sharon's just like, you know, saying, no wonder we're having a podcast on this. Um, and so I chuckled and his wife said, yeah, this is, uh, you know, obviously you're probably somebody who needs to listen to this podcast. And he went on and on and said, yeah, you know, most people are just aren't equipped. They don't know. They, 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 they have opinions, but they don't have an intellectual depth to them. They have beliefs, but they really haven't studied it. They're not experts. They're not smart enough to have these conversations. And I thought, wow, you know, you're offending a lot of people who, who have beliefs, who have opinions, who have feelings, who have passions. And I just kind of like, wow, man, you know, all right. So, you know, over lunch, we I geared up for this typical conversation I have with this guy, which is always very challenging. But anyway, Sharon, that look on your face, what'd you hear when you heard that? <laughs> what were you thinking? I heard, I heard, oh my, I'm at the mountaintop and everybody else is not even in the vicinity. Yeah. And that's exactly how it goes. Um, and it, it, and, and for me, I love spirited intellectual discussions. So I enjoy when I get challenged by this, you know, this friend, I mean, I really do enjoy it, but there was something about the, you know, when I, we were talking about the podcast, there was something about the podcast that in and of itself kind of like made me feel diminished because I'm trying to teach people how to have conversations and he's going, yeah, most people can't do that. Thinking, well, then good. Let's fix the problem. Let's not dismiss others because they're not as good as me. We need to find ways to bring others in so they can learn from you as well as you learn from them. That's that's kind of how I felt. I don't know where you're at with that, Sharon. Well, yeah, it's interesting because as you're describing how you felt having had that set up, are you, you know, and, and again, the, the, the few weeks ago that we talked about words, you know, the many, many people all people, nobody discounts that some people can. Um, and I wonder how you felt, Dave. Did you feel like you were the exception to that or that you were mixed in with the many? You know, I don't I don't know. I don't know how I felt um, about that at all. It was more as like what I was reminded is, is that I got to put on this coat. I got to put on my uniform and get ready. I got to get ready to do battle, intellectual battle. And it's like, you know, to me, that's not what this is about. 
Mm-hmm. You know, th- when we've we've you know we talked last time about the 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 premise of this podcast. The premise of this podcast is you and I. In fact, that's what we're doing in some respects. Is we're sitting here having a cup of coffee and having a conversation and sharing information. Right. I learn from you. You learn from me. We learn from each other. We we laugh. We maybe even you know uh, we can give each other some pointers and clean things up. You know, like I tease you about admonishing me. I listened to the tape again today, and I figured, yeah, you know, it was a really good pointed shift in the conversation. And I thought, yeah, I didn't feel called out. And I joked and said I would feel admonished, but I wasn't really called out. I was reminded of of Dave. Be careful of your thinking because. Right, right. That's a that's a gift. That's somebody loving you, um, and not saying you're doing something wrong, but be aware of something that you're doing that has impact. Yes, yes, yes. And you know, a phrase comes up in a uh, was probably last year sometimes sometime where a manager of a government entity, transportation, I believe it was there phrase when they talk to their staff, which you might seem, as I did, inconsistent with what your friend said, they say, I'm not going to call anybody out. I want to make sure I call them in to the conversation. And what he started with felt like he was calling everybody out and no one could come in to this conversation equipped with whatever they had to engage in a conversation with him, which like I believe you said is more of a telling instead of a exploratory time. Mm-hmm. And, and, and back to the question, you know, how did I feel or what did I think when he said that is in retrospect, now that I've had a chance to think about the question, um, the inference that he's giving me is just that he's a Dave. I know that I can, we can have this conversation. We can have this conversation. He loves having these conversations with me. I know he does. His wife has told me that a million times. And so he's going, yeah, Dave, you and I can have one of these conversations, but not everybody can have these kind of conversations. I'm thinking it's what, because I'm, uh, I'm, I'm seen as a peer or I'm least close enough in logic and intelligence that I can play the game with you. That's basically telling, you know, thank you for the promotion. Thank you for the accolades. But you are, like you said, saying other people don't qualify. Other people can't play this game. We can't have, let everybody participate. Right. And Go ahead. And so when, when I do coaching or when I'm doing personal exploration, There are two questions that sometimes come to my mind, well, often come to my mind when I hear something from someone, maybe directed at me or maybe sideways of me that causes me to get my back up, get my dander up, as my mom used to say, (laughs) and just want to shut them down. And the two questions that I ask myself, I'm going to offer to you. First one is, where's the truth in what he said? The second one is, Many people are a mirror for us. Where is your behavior in that way show up? Because we can't notice what we don't already have within us. Mm. Spend a little time on that again, that second one, especially. Um, When I'm listening to the analysis of, of our political, sometimes I hear, oh, they're just projecting. 
when I'm listening to people teaching how to coach, teaching how to listen differently, and when you're in the exploration of yourself, well, they're just projecting on you what is within them. Right. So my question is, what about how he said and what he said, is it possible it's a reflection within you that you haven't acknowledged, don't want to admit, or just was harsh to Hmm. realize? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. It certainly, it certainly called me out. Um, you know, I because you know, I, I I know him is that he uses his uh, his intellectualism as a as a badge of honor. It's it's how he wants to be seen. I want to be seen as brilliant. I want us to be seen as smart. I know I'm smart. I know I'm different, and he is. He's a very brilliant man. Right. Um. Well read. He's deep. He's extremely well educated. But you know, his opinions, his beliefs, his his ideas, sense of facts is is who he is he wants to be seen as a very smart man that's that's what he's projecting see me as this is who i am right and and what it's doing is is in that situation for him it's hiding the things that he doesn't want us to see and i don't know what it is but he's he's making sure that this is what he leads with so that you see the brilliant man you don't see whatever it is he wants to make sure we don't see exactly Yeah. And then for me, I mean, I guess, I don't know. I mean, when he projects that on me, I, you know, I kind of like it because I, sh- I, I certainly like to think that I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'd like to think that I'm, in fact, I'm, I'm, I will tell you, I'm confident of my intelligence. I'm right. confident, I'm confident of my ability to, to coordinate a coherent thought. Um, but I don't know that I would walk around and, you know, say to people, yeah, hey, check out me because I'm 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 it. I'm pretty smart. So I appreciate being included in his club, but right. but there was an aspect of it that just kind of made me cringe. It's like, oh man, dude, that's it's just a little too arrogant or uninclusive for me. Um you know, I don't want to be the exclusive member of the of the Dave and Friends Club um, right. or Friends of Dave <laughs> Clubs. I, I, you know, I want more people to participate. I want more dialogue. I want more interaction. I want more um, more flavors, if you will. Do you find that people who have and I'm, I'm glad you use flavors because one of my favorite long time ago was Baskin Robbins, 31 different <laughs> flavors. Um, <laughs> do you find that people who you maybe see have not tasted a lot of flavors of whatever it is, ice cream, personality, involving themselves in things that they wouldn't ordinarily involve, have a limited ability to see what you see, which is value in other things. You know, it's uh, for me, um, you know, at my station in life, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my, in my mid to late sixties, I'm seeing more and more of my peers, um, pretty set. Okay. So I think when I, you know, say it was the, yeah, maybe, you know, 40 years ago, they were into, you know, they tried, you know, 28 of the 31 flavors, but right now they say, you know what, I, I'm okay, man. You know, give me strawberry, um, <laughs> sherbet and I'm a happy camper. Cause that's all I really right. need. And so right. that's where that's what they migrate to and they and they sit on it. And I have an I have another dear friend. Again, I have to be careful, but I have another dear friend that um uh known him for 30 something years. And 
um, they wake up in the morning and they turn the TV set on to a station and then they work in their office, they're a consultant, they work in their office and um, they turn that station off when they go to bed. It's in the background all the time, that one station, that one station, that one station. All you're getting from them is drumming whatever it is. You know, it doesn't matter what station it is. It's that he has decided that he has a, um, you know, one platform that he's going to trust for his information. And that's all I need. And all I need to do is have it in the background and watch the headlines and listen to the chatter. And I'm getting what I need. I'm thinking, yeah, you are. But it's basically, you know, back to the, the 31 flavors. It's back to strawberry sherbet, baby. All I need yeah. is strawberry and all day. I don't care if it's every day, all day. I love strawberry sherbet. It's good enough for me. And it's like, <laughs> all right, but what are you missing? Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is you've said it more than once now, and you're identifying a challenge in a person that is inconsistent. This is how I see it is inconsistent with what you would like either them to be or who you are. Mm-hmm. And yet you still, comma, my friend, mm-hmm. comma, my friend. What do you think it is within you that allows you to see the scratchy part, but also can continue to be the friend? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, that's a deep question. Sharon, I might have to have you back on a lot more. This You ask better questions than the podcaster, but... Um... <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I think I think that is exactly what it is, is that um, I see my friend for the totality of who they are. OK, so they have, like you said, the scratches, they have this rough part, they have this piece. In fact, you know, with both of these individuals, um, I'm not going to kid you philosophically when it comes to politics and stuff like that, we couldn't be further apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that doesn't define us. Yeah. OK. Yes, we have a particular area that we are not in agreement on. There's a lot of areas with, with, you know, a couple of these friends that I'm not in agreement with, not in alignment with, but that's not the point. I find that they're, that they're, they have a value system in general that I can get behind. You know, they've, they, you know, they're, 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 they're family people. They, they love their kids. They're, you know, they're, they're committed to that stuff. There's something about them that, um, in, in their in their roughness, there's still a there's still a place where um, there's love, there's re- mm-hmm. there's there's enough respect, there's enough humanity that I go, yeah, I like being around you, even when, yeah, <laughs> or even if you're a bit of a butthead at times, it's okay yeah. because I'm not perfect either. There, are, I'm sure that I rub people the wrong way. I know that in my consulting practice. That back to the word. Sometimes my word choices, people just snap. You know, snap their head like, "What did you did you just say that?" Yeah, you know, this is what I believe. Okay, man, and you can see them challenging it. Yeah, and, yeah. and that and that's okay because that's me being real. I love authenticity. I love transparency. Um, so when when I get when I sense that somebody is basically a you know, there's a, there's, we have something in common that I like being around them. I can look past the stuff that makes me uncomfortable. That is, in my experience, not in balance with where society is today. <laughs> I think we too quickly discard people by the scratchy instead of, like you said, seeing the totality of other parts of them that I can appreciate and actually love and agree with. Mm -hmm. 
Do you see that same thing? And what do you think happened? Or has that always been? Um, what do I think happened? Boy, that's a, you know, that's a great question. Yeah, Dave, the sociologist is going to show up now. Yes. And, <laughs> um, I think, and I don't, and I really don't know when it happened. I mean, and, and I, well, I do have a theory when it happened, but I'm going to be careful because I don't want to, you know, piss off everybody, the last few people that are listening to this episode. But uh, over the course of time in the last, and it, it really started for me, um, in my experience, my, my, my reflective life, I think it started over 40 years ago. And it's okay, been a math. It, when was math 40? <laughs> 40, 1983. Okay. Thank 1983, you. and and and, I, and again, I'm not one of the things that I'm not a big fan of is is assigning blame, but I want, but I'm going to use this this reference point as a historical marker. Um, you know, we went, we you, know, you think about the 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 60s and the 70s, especially the late 60s, early 70s, which to me was the most fascinating period of time in our in the history of our country. I think it's fascinating the all the stuff that happened. I'm not saying it was good stuff. Right, there was right. there was a lot of painful things, but great lessons to believe. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in Detroit in the '67 race riots. Oh wow! In 1968, yeah. you know, Robert Kennedy and Martin Luther King were assassinated. Tragic, but again, things to think about, experiences to dwell on. The late '60s, early '70s, the Vietnam War, and all the all the um, issues with that. The 1970 Kent State. I mean, I could go on. To me, that was just like, there's a period in, in starting with 1963 with John Kennedy getting assassinated. There's this period from 1963 to 1974 when Richard Nixon resigned. Wow. That, that 10, 11 year period is fascinating for the United States. On the other side of that, we were looking for safe. We were looking for a way to settle down. Um, and then, you know, a dude showed up, uh, Ronald Reagan showed up and Jerry Falwell showed up and they basically told us, Hey, let's keep it simple. Let's keep it easy. Let's, let's set some rules. Let's set some boundaries, you know, Jerry Falwell. And, and I think we just started to get away from having dialogue. Yeah. And over time, when you don't have dialogue, you you know you it's, if you don't use your brain, you lose it, right? If you don't use your mouth, you you know it gets out of shape. You don't work out, your body falls apart. You're and right. I just think I, I so in my opinion, historically, we started a shift forty years ago away from having conversations. When I was a kid, my mom and dad were active in politics. They went from being one party to another party. Um, funny story Mitt Romney's mom was the was in my house campaigning for her husband who was at the time the governor of Michigan wow my family was politically active okay. and I can tell you we talked politics um and you know but 20 years later we weren't talking politics oh. we were we were arguing politics uh, my that's... mom my mom had lifetime friends that she got to a point where philosophically they got apart and they couldn't agree and they stopped seeing each other. And these were lifetime friends. And wow. then, so, so for me to say, Dave, what happened? I think that's what happened is somewhere in there, we got away from having conversations about controversial subjects and started lobbing stuff at each other instead of dialoguing through it. Mm -hmm. And that's my, you know, that's, that that's my theory. Well, as you were talking, I'm in your same age range, and I don't know a lot about the history or the dates of things. But as I recall, that time you were talking about the, the early 60s, 
not even so much the 50s at all, but the early 60s up until 74, there was a book that came out, I'm Okay, You're Okay. And for me, it felt like the first time we started to explore who we were and what we were about. And so in, in me listening to your answer, I'm thinking that prior to that, we didn't we had superficial conversations. We didn't allow ourselves to be who we really were. And to some extent, we still don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in just showing the good, the bad, and the ugly, <laughs> I'm really not okay. And neither are you. And mm-hmm. so now we talk from that place. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, the idea I'm okay, you're okay, is that every you know, we're, you know, we're, we're, it was it was about acceptance and recognizing who we are as different right. and stuff like that. And yes, definitely, we went to a place, and I don't know what happened, but you know, we went to a place where, uh, and also too, you have to think in the late in the mid '80s, um, uh, CNN and Fox started playing, cable TV started showing up, and so right. you know, Uncle Walter wasn't the voice of the news anymore. It was a uh, you know, uh, Howdy Doody and Daffy Duck were. Our, our 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 newscasters, not somebody trusted as trusted intellectual, um, like like a Walter Cronkite. But right. um, I I I think that in that whole thing is that you know we started we started getting caught up in um, what was important, looking good, feeling good, acting good, seeing yep. being seen as successful. We got caught up in that stuff, and so we started playing roles. Yes, yes. And those roles have hard boundaries. You can't see me like like my friend. Don't see me for anything other than the intellectual that I am. Right. Don't see me that anything other than the dude who drives a fancy car and lives in a nice house and has a great job. Or my kids with all A students. That that was our drivers. Those became important to us. And so we wanted to make sure that we we projected those things. We wanted to make sure we had those things, et cetera, et cetera. And so I I or you know, again, for me, that's the shift is that we've lost the art of the constructive, creative, healthy dialogue around tense subjects. Probably because we're trying to be what we're not. And we only, like you said, want to present the part that we are comfortable with, that we want everybody to see us as. Mm -hmm. Very much so. And, you know, so that doesn't leave a lot of room for us to do anything else. Um, I see that we're getting ready for a break. Um, I'm going to quick, I'm going to tell a quick story. So when when I was in college, um, I, I marched with United Farm Workers. Yes, people, you, you can probably do the math now. I've already be- revealed who I am, but I marched with the United Farm Workers and wow. I went to a, I went to a conservative religious, um, mostly white school in West Michigan. And I went and met up with United Farm Workers and we marched from Holland, Michigan to downtown, uh, Grand Rapids. I didn't tell any of my college friends. Oh, interesting. Because I didn't want them to know. And that part of the reason I didn't want them to know is because I didn't know how they'd feel about it. But number two is I just don't want to deal with the poop that I'd have to deal with from them. I just kind of like, you know, and it's the, just like that. It's like, yes, I, how do you feel about that, Dave? I don't know. I'm a little uncomfortable. I'm not sure. And so rather than boastfully doing it, I kind of like snuck out the back door one day and marched. Where have you been? Oh, I was in an event in Grand Rapids and nobody did the math. So anyway, yeah. we'll come back. We, we're getting ready for a break. And this went in an entirely different direction than I thought it would, but that's the beautiful thing about conversations. They don't have roadmaps. They just go. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be back uh, for, for more conversation about intellectualism and listening.
enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. We are living in a time where a relentless commitment to opinions and beliefs are dividing communities and fracturing crucial relationships. Making ourselves right and those who disagree with us wrong leaves little room for engaging in a constructive learning dialogue. There is little opportunity to change minds, find common ground, or solve complex problems. Those who are not being heard or understood become angry, hurt, lost, isolated, alone, and more. While mental health-related issues are on the rise, too few know how to safely share their struggles, and far too many don't know how to care about those that do. While it is increasingly frustrating to experience an increase in this communication divide, there is hope, and according to David Cook, there is an answer. The answer lies in how we adjust our communication style and shift our listening behaviors. In his radio show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook introduces his audiences to the power found in creating a safe place for sharing life perspectives and experiences without judgment, criticism, correction, or shame. There are tremendous opportunities in learning to see the world from the eyes of another. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific. Discover how shifting your listening behaviors will close the divide that exists between you and others in your community. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Or you can email Dave at dave at thecookgroupllc.com. Now, back to the show with David. Hey, this is Dave Cook. Welcome back to uh, the second half of today's episode on listening and intellectualism. Right now we're on listening in the 80s, the 60s, but uh, we'll, we'll get back to a little intellectualism soon um, with my, uh, my co-host, my friend, Sharon Ray. And um, we were talking a little bit about um, what, what's the shift, what caused us to get away from healthy conversations. And we theorized that a little, you know, some, um, when we were, when we were on break, I was thinking of, of all these crazy stories that I'd like to share. But, you know, one of the things Sharon is, is that, when I look at the way I was raised as a kid and, you know, I mentioned this in the last show and, you know, I, and I say this because, and I share this, I share this particular little bit of information as a call to awareness to my friends. And um, because I, when I, when I realized somebody hit me over the head with a baseball bat one day and made me aware of this thing. So I emphasize it with every chance I get, you can't see me right now, but some of you people know me. 
I am 66, so I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a middle-aged white male who was who was raised in a pretty affluent environment, went to a pretty much affluent um all-white religious school. And so when I look at how I was raised, I was raised privileged. And and I need to be aware of that because there are things that I take for granted that I'm not even aware that they are really things that are easy for me, made my life simple, easy, uncomplicated because I was protected. And I, and so when we talk about, you know, uh, different people with different values, different beliefs, you know, we talked about the 31 flavors at Baskin Robbins, you know, everybody comes to the party with a different set of experiences. Everybody comes to the party with a different set of cultural experiences and all those other things. They have their trauma. They have their experiences. They have their story. They have their, their you know, their life's education. But we need to remember is that um, how I was raised doesn't mean that I know what right is. I know how I was raised and how that right is defined in my life. And I think that that's where we get in trouble when we have these kind of conversations, like my friend saying, not everybody can can step up to the plate and have an intellectual conversation. You know what? That's probably true if the standard of intellectualism is his standard. Uh-huh. Yes. But yes. the truth of the matter is everybody has a belief. Everybody has a story. Everybody has something that they want to say and share. They have something that they do know, even if it may not represent, you know, an MBA or a BS or anything. It might represent, reflect a second, you know, grade education. That doesn't matter. If they have a voice, they have a story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and I think that that's where we, we we get into this whole thing with intellectualism or superiority complex and all that other stuff is like, you got to remember where you're coming from and you got to create a space for other people to tell you where they're coming from. Yes. And that is very challenging for a lot of people um, for a whole host of reasons. One of which is that we want to feel like we belong. And when something is inconsistent with what our belief is that I I belong in this club, it just creates that opportunity or that barrier that, well, you're not in my club. So <laughs> you you can't possibly have anything that I can benefit from because you're not in my club. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the old Ivy League education thing. Remember, you know, you know, I went to Harvard, I went to Yale. You know, it's like, oh yeah, so you're an Ivy Leaguer that that made your college education superior. As though my diploma has something extra special on it, as opposed to yours because you didn't go there. It's like, you know, what kind of crap is that? You know, I worked my ass off to get my degree. I got a degree. People recognize me as certified as having a whatever my degree is in. That shows you how valuable it is to me, but. Uh, you know, I have a degree. Don't diminish it just yeah, because it, yeah. just be, just because I didn't get all A's or just because I didn't go to Harvard or just because I can't articulate in a way that you like. It doesn't mean that I'm wrong. It doesn't mean I'm stupid. Right. It, it doesn't mean I'm not whatever you want it to be. And mm-hmm. I, I, I just find that so frustrating. Um, and people don't realize how limiting it is for them intellectually when they exclude people because now they're not getting 
the 31 flavors. Yes. Um, so it's limiting intellectually. But the other thing is they don't realize how how unintentionally or intentionally they're insulting the people that they've diminished. Exactly. And, you know, I had a thought while you were talking about a Harvard education versus other educations. Tell me if you have any reaction to this. Any education, well, first of all, there is an intellectual education, and some people would contrast that with a street smart education, which has a different value system, which has different things you're learning from and different conclusions that you come to. But an intellectual education comes, <laughs> I even hesitate to say it, Dave, but an intellectual conversation uh, education comes from somebody else wrote a book, somebody else had a thought, somebody else, you're learning from somebody else. You may put your own flavor to it, but everything you learn comes from some book or something that somebody else wrote before you. Mm -hmm. People that have street smarts might argue Yes, you have an intellectual education, but I have a real life education. I am learning from what's happening now. Mm -hmm. And I am surviving in a different way than you are. Mm -hmm. What do you think of that contrast? Well, I, and I agree. I, I, I agree with it. I think that um, for me, the only when I look at the, uh, somebody who has a college degree, and this is again, you know, it's it's you know, talk about the words that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, when I look at somebody who has a degree, first of all, I love to hear their story, how they got, you know, where, why they went to school, where they went to school, did they work, did they get it paid for, did they get a scholarship, did they get grants, you know, how how'd you, how how'd you do the journey of school? But when I look at somebody who ends up and you know says, yeah, I've got a I've got a diploma. What I see is just that, is that somebody went through the process, uh, the formal process of learning, mm -hmm. and they completed the task of learning. That's what it says. Hey, you know, Dave, you've completed, you've completed the work that we expect of you to be able to get the degree. So we're going to give you, we're going to acknowledge you completed the task of getting a degree. When we look at somebody who, you know, is, is, is you know, street smart. You know, they've they've they're they're schooling themselves in the way of the world. Um, how do you diminish that? You can't because, um, you know, when we're born, we're a blank sheet We're we have we have nothing. We have our DNA, which you know does kind of define some of our personality. But basically, it's our environment. It's our culture. It's our right. And so we we're like you said, we're learning from we're learning from day one. Some people go through an institution to formalize that learning. All of us go through life learning. So yes. I'm not going to ever diminish somebody who's, you know, working to better themselves, to, to um, grow, evolve, develop, love, support, encourage, who've never gone to college. It doesn't mean they're stupid, lazy or anything else. It means that they're on a different journey than I was on. Exactly, and, and as long as their eyes, ears, and heart are open, which would be my expectation and hope for everybody, it's not a requirement, but it's it's like as long as their eyes, ears, and heart are open, and they're and they're absorbing, and they're learning from their mistakes, and learning from others, and they're learning from the mistakes or challenges and experience of others. Who cares? Well, obviously, uh, your friend cares. <laughs> well, sure, because he's got. <laughs> You know, his his resume is a little different than the rest of ours. Um, so what would you say 
are, I'm going back again to our movie, since a movie reference, we went to ice cream, now we go to a movie. Um, <laughs> what would you say, from your view, are the good, the bad, and the ugly about intellectualism? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a see. I mean, I'm going to have you on more often. You better be careful. You might become the official permanent co-host of the show. <laughs> the good and the well, the good, the good of intellectualism. I I love being around brilliant people. I love how they organize, form, and structure a thought. And and that's not to say other people, you know, who don't have a formal education can't do that. So I want to be clear in intellectualism and in, in in the snobbery sense. I don't think there's anything good about it. Because I think it's I think it's arrogant. We've already talked about it. It's arrogant. It's 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 diminishing. It's exclusiving. It's clubbing. Whatever you want to call it. But I love being around people who have this way of seeing things and putting disparate things together in an organized line of thought and say, "Here, this is what I was thinking about the other day." And bam, it's like, "Holy shit, where did that come from?" Mm. Right. And I love being in that. So intellectualism to me, that's the good is watching somebody, you know, learning from somebody who puts things together. Even my friend, when he puts things together, there's some, in, you know, I, I never thought of it that way. I'm not sure I agree with you, but I never thought of it that way. I like it. I like the challenge. Um, so that would be my good thing. The, um, the, the bad is, is that you develop a superiority complex. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. You, if you're, if you're an intellect and think, you know, think about the, you know, you're talking about movies is that, and I can't think of a movie right now, but you know, if you, if you think hard enough, you can think of a movie where, um, you know, the one that just came up was uh, what's up doc, um, which, uh, which eliminates 99% of the people in this audience. But, but there's, but there's a guy in there who's, um, an intellectual snob. And he almost can't talk to people because what he really wants everybody to see is this pompous ass of a genius. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that would be the bad. The ugly is back to what we talked about. You know, I already put, you know, said that is the ugly is, is that you, if you other, you know, othering people and diminish who they are, their, their status, their stance. My dad used to do that and would just bother the crap out of me. They're not as smart as me. Gives a shit, dad. Right, right. I don't need them to be as smart as. In fact, I kind of like it that they're not as smart as because they're not a jackass about it. Um, so, but that was you know he wanted to make sure that everybody knew how smart he was. You know, I and that so team that's the ugly because now what it is is that I'm projecting back to your thing as I'm projecting my brilliance as something that you you know should be in awe of you should be jealous of you should be envious of you should you know bow down before me because i'm so smart that's ugly that's nasty that's that's diminishing the people around you um making them less important less significant um less valued that's that's i have no tolerance for that i have to admit i have very little tolerance for that kind of mindset that's a great answer dave how'd it feel coming up with that answer i can wing it with the best of them that's a that was really good. Very succinct, very um, in compartments. Fully uh, answer the question. I love it. Maybe I'm, maybe I should have had my Wheaties uh, every day. I could do this all the time. <laughs> but um, so that to me, that's the challenge. And um, yeah, I'm just sitting here thinking is like, you know, you talked about um, 
being around the people that you want when, and I think I've mentioned this in one of the other podcasts, but uh, Brene Brown, I love Brene Brown when she talks about authenticity, authenticity and transparency, but she has the, the four P's prove, um, prove, please perform and perfect. Prove, please perform. Yeah. You prove that you belong. You do, you try to please people to make them like you and want you to be along. You perfect yourself so that, you know, people will see you as worthy of being in the club and you perform in a way that they say, oh yeah, she's where he is one of us. And she says the beautiful thing or the tragic thing with that whole thing is, is that, yeah, you do all these things, the four P's to get accepted in the club and you're hanging around these people and go, oh my God, these aren't my people. (laughs) Correct. The The reason they're not your people is because you've been pretending to be those people to get accepted and then you find out that it, it's not all it's cracked up to be. Exactly. Boy, is that a revelation if you can get there? Many people aren't there and right. are uncomfortable. They're comfortable in their uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable because I'm in a group. I sense that I might belong, but I really don't, both from being received and how I feel. Mm-hmm. But yet, What's not this is too scary for me to even try. So I'm just going to stay here in my uncomfortable place because it's comfortable. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the herd mentality. And, you know, when we were when we were talking a couple of weeks ago, you mentioned that people um, fear was one. What was the other? You had like three things that people um, emotion, people argue, communicate from emotion, they communicate oh, from yes. fear, and they yes. commu- yep. what was, but you said it was emotion, it was not only just fear, there was something else, it was, they, it was, they, it was anger. lack. From anger. their anger, from their lack, from their emotion, all of the negative things we want to highlight and have conversation about, and very seldom do we celebrate and talk about our joys and our successes and the positive things in life. So, each person's interaction with somebody is in a lower level. It's all about what went wrong or who I can gossip about or, you know, all of that. And that's just not healthy for any conversation to be the totality of it. You might have sprinkling of that here and there, but when you come from that place and that's all you have to offer in a conversation, it's, it's limiting for both you and the people listening to you. Mm -hmm. So what happens is you join a club where you're safe. Yes. Right. So you surround yourself with people that make you feel safe. You don't have to have an opinion. You don't have to have an experience. They see you as the, as you want them to see you so that you, in in a sense, you're safe, you're protected. You're not exposed. You're not vulnerable. You're not, you know, in danger. He's like, yeah, I'm in this club and they're going to keep me safe. They're going to keep me, they're going to keep protect me from my fears. They're going to protect me from my insecurities, which goes back to my friend. What's my fear? What's my insecurity that you see me for who I am other than my brilliance. Correct. And that you might see my less than because there is an intellectualism an intellectual characteristic of people. Everybody has it, but there's also an emotional cue, an EQ. (laughs) not just your IQ, but there's an EQ. And that may not be as uh, strong or developed as your IQ. So I can't let that be known because my IQ is king or queen, whichever you are. Right. Which goes like back to my dad too. You know, that was it. He had so many insecurities, so many vulnerabilities, but he was determined that if you could see his brilliance, 
you wouldn't see anything else. Right. And it's almost like, you know, in the no judgment, just love space, I see that as being my own cheerleader in a little sideways way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm trying to pump myself up because I don't want to acknowledge the things that I don't think are valued by me, by society. So I'm going to pump up that I'm an intellectual and I'm not going to let you see the parts that I don't want to give my rah, 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 go team go to. Mm -hmm. You know, when when um, I used to, when I was in uh, in sales and then when I was training salespeople, I used to train salespeople um, to ask questions, right? Yes, of course. But, but, you know, that's once what's the thing that people always say about salespeople is that we suck at listening. So we have all these training classes on asking questions and listening. And, and everybody says, yeah, salespeople still suck at listening. So the training courses aren't working. Um, and that was a big thing for me. That's actually how I stumbled onto listening and selfless listening as my model, because I was saying, guys, you got to learn to listen. You have to learn to truly listen. And I, we were, I would talk about the fact that I was really comfortable being the dumbest guy in the room. They said, what do you mean? I don't have to know anything when I meet with a prospect for the first time. Sure you do. They expect you to know. And so they expect me to know. But the truth of the matter is they don't know whether I know or not because my business card says that I know. So they trust that until I prove that I don't. But I don't need yeah. to tell you. I don't need to demonstrate to you what I know. What I need to demonstrate is my ability to learn what I don't know. Yay. Very good. Because How did that resonate with people? They didn't like it because they had this story. <laughs> they had this story that I'm the expert. Back to this, all the stuff. I'm the expert. So I have to be prepared to be the expert. I have to be able to demonstrate and show them what I know and why I know it and how I'm going to be able to help them. And I said, you know, my lesson, my training was, I learned to ask questions. And so it was asking questions instead of telling things. And I said, what happened is, is people realized that when they talked about their business and their business issues and their business challenges, and Dave would be curious and ask questions and probe and learn, what they realized was that I was keeping up. Yeah. And they go, oh, this dude understands this. Right. He, he hears me. He sees me. He understands me. He's listening to me. What happens is they trust me. If I showed up and was Dave the blowhard, let me tell you how smart I am and why my product's going to save you from all the headaches that you're experiencing your, in your company, even though I have no idea if you're having those headaches. Um, what I'm doing is, is that I'm forcing him, the forcing the individual I'm in front of to try to decide if they can trust me. I don't want to have them work at that. I want them to just sit there and enjoy the conversation after a while. I go, you know, this dude's all right. Yeah. When? Win. It's a win every time. That doesn't mean I sold them every time. I wouldn't tell you that my close ratio was any higher than anybody else's. That was usually 20 to 25%. That's not an abnormal number. But right. what I had was, was that I had lasting friendships. People that would call me up after I stopped being their salesperson to talk to me about their business issues or their personal issues. So what happened is we developed a relationship that went above the transactional relationship. And that's a value system for you that is absent in some people, depending upon whether that's important to them or not, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that that's the, that's why we get along so well and have very few scratchy points <laughs> because yeah. our value systems are similar. Mm -hmm. 
And, and, but we do have our scratchy points. I could tell you what are, you know what they are. I know where our scratchy points are. Um, what's that? Tell me one. Oh, if we, if we, you and I started on a conversation about spirituality and religion, we wouldn't be in alignment. Okay. I know we would have to have that conversation because, because we've had semblances of those conversations and we kind of, you know, brought the knuckles out a little bit, but it's okay. We, cause we recognize that we did. And, or at least I recognize that we were there and, and, and I'm going, okay, cool. So we don't agree. We can talk about this stuff, but I know that we won't agree. It's going to be something that, that generates, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, negative emotional energy, but it will create tension as we navigate that discussion. Yeah. Cause, yeah. cause we, cause we have little semblances of it, but it doesn't stop you and me from having great conversations. We just recognize that if we make a left turn down that road, it's going to be an interesting conversation. Yes. Oh, and I love that you said that. It is going to be an interesting conversation instead of we can't have that conversation. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, because we and, and I know that we've test we've tested. Holy crap, we have four minutes to go. So anyway, <laughs> you guys are gonna have to come back for part two of this one because there's more to this. The I didn't even get to finish my story of my conversation with the guy. It's oh too my bad. goodness, I'm sorry. It's okay because I, I love I love where we're at, Sharon. This is beautiful. Um, because you and you just brought it full circle. Okay. You and I know, you know, at least I I don't know if you knew, you know, you asked me, so maybe you were asking out of curiosity or you're double checking which that we shared the same opinion. But you said, where do you think we would have um, a scratchy conversation? Yeah. And I told you, but you with with the thing that you said was so important. We know that we can have that conversation, whether we choose to or we don't. That's okay, But it's not going to be fear that keeps us from having it. Exactly spot on. And I think that that's the challenge that that, um, you know, we have in our society today is I don't know if I can talk to Dave about that because he's got some pretty strong opinions. I do. Sure. We all do. But you do need to talk to me about it because that's the only way we're going to navigate whatever it is that needs to be navigated in that space. There's a there's something that makes you want to have that conversation, and fear is what keeps you from having it. Yes. yes. And we have we have an obligation to our intellect to wade into that space, but we need to know how. You know, when people say, "Well, how do you do that?" and then maybe that's another then maybe that's another show, but that's the idea is is finding a way being open, being receptive. You're not trying to win an argument. You're not trying to create a convert. What you are is you're exploring in curiosity, the opportunity to learn from somebody else about something that's important and of value to them. Absolutely. And if you are an intellect, learning is probably something you might be accustomed to. Yeah, but it's on your terms. (laughs) I know. I was trying trying to put that little thing in there. That's the challenge with that's the challenge, you know, back to the the question you asked about college and um and you know, a hard knocks or a life lesson person. You know, somebody goes to college, talks about what they learned in college and that all the stuff, yeah, you know, I read these books and I did this stuff, and that just, you know, I learned how to yeah, okay, so what? You know, congratulations, but that doesn't make you better. It just it informs me on how you how you see, you know, your intellectual development. But that doesn't mean that the person who is doing a menial job that's working their ass off 
doing something and 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 has very you know clear concise opinions or beliefs on things doesn't mean that they haven't formed healthy opinions intellectually they've formed healthy opinions in their intellectual way and it yes. doesn't it doesn't make them wrong or less than so intellectualism has a spectrum mm-hmm. yes as long as you don't think that your your way is superior right and that's why I called it intellectualism. But all right, so we got a minute left, which means we got to get out of here. But um, <laughs> sure, um, you guys don't know this, but I'm going to tell you. I called Sharon up an hour before this show and said, "Congratulations, Sharon, you're helping me." And she said, "I'd love to." So, Sharon, um, we've had two fantastic conversations. I can promise the world that we're going to have more. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for inviting me, Dave. This was really fun. I love this kind of interaction with you. So thank you. I'm happy to support you however I can. This was great. All right, everybody, we had an interesting conversation. I have no idea what you what you internalized, but all I can tell you is, is that you need to open your heart, you need to open your ears, you need to open your mind. Once you start listening, everything changes. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Stop Telling and Start Listening. We hope you've picked up on some useful ideas to help you enhance your conversational skills. Until we listen again, have a beautiful week.